0: Let's dive into silent killer anger. Anger. Look at your neighbor right now and say, it's okay that you're angry. It's it's okay that you are angry. It's okay. I was, we were eating Amanda and I were eating dinner with a, a, a couple this week, and they're like, oh Robbie, you're preaching. What are you preaching on? Anger? And everyone at the table is like, I need this sermon, you know? <laughs> I need this sermon on anger. Um, this week I saw on uh, ESPN, one of the articles is about Devin Williams, a pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, he is one of their key pitchers and they have made the playoffs. They're about to go into the playoffs. Um, so it's right at the end of the major league baseball season and he got angry and like a really, like this is a million dollar hand for him, millions of dollars. And Devin got angry and punched a wall and broke his hand. Yes, he's out for the rest of the season and out for the playoffs. Anger, anger, uncontrolled man's anger can destroy your life. It can destroy your marriage. It can destroy your relationships. It can destroy your, your career. Anger. I mean, think about it. I've, I have stories of unleashed anger. Specifically, I remember one story when I was so angry at a kid, I... As in elementary school, I I came at him with all the the vengeance and passion to destroy his life. And he turned and saw me coming, grabbed me, flipped me, was on top of me like this. And the teacher's like, "Okay, hold on. We know who's going to win this fight. The the bad thing about anger is it, it can make you feel invincible. But in just a moment, second, it can be turned on you and destroy your life. We joke because my kids have joked about this, and I've heard other people say this. Dads, in their anger, we over-discipline. We get in that moment where we're angry, we don't know what to do, and we're like, you're grounded for life! You can never eat again, you know? <laughs> no more toys! I'm throwing, I mean, dads, have you ever got to that moment where you said something where you over-disciplined and you got to the place where your kids just kind of laughed at you, and then you're like, none of you have. And I haven't either, I've heard of other dads doing that. Or you get so angry, it's the silent treatment. It's like days on end of pretending like you don't exist, someone doesn't exist in your life. Or it manifests in road rage, where instead of your horn communicating, oh, I'm here, it's like, I want you to die, like hitting your horn. I remember um, kids, I think some of the most angry moments I've seen sometimes is at t-ball and kid sports. And I grew up in a small community about an hour from here where sports are very highly valued. And I was very used to parents and grandparents. Like, I remember one of our deacons getting in a fight with the deacon at another church at a t-ball event. (laughs) I remember these moments. I remember Amanda when my Matthew started playing T-ball. He's five years old and, uh, he's, she, all these parents are like screaming, angry, mad when things were going on and she was so judging them. And then Matthew hits the ball. She's excited. He's running the first and they call him out. She stands up. And it's like, are you blind? And I was like, whoa, babe, whoa. And, We're angry at bosses, teachers, kids, spouses, God, the church, government, Christians, atheists, slow waiters, strangers. (laughs) We're in some level the age of rage. We're in the age of rage. And we all know what this manifests physically, right? We get red faced swollen neck veins, clenched fists, stumbling for words. Our vision gets blurry because anger clouds the visual centers of the brain. Dr. Walter Cannon, a pioneer researcher in psychosomatic medicine at Harvard University, describes the symptoms more precisely. He says, Respiration deepens, the heart beats more rapidly, the arterial pressure rises, the blood is shifted from the stomach and intestines to the heart, central nervous system and the muscles. Sugar is freed from the reserves in the liver, the spleen contracts and adrenaline dr- adrenaline is secreted. When you get angry, it is a silent killer in ways you couldn't even imagine. Silent killer Why, yes, it is. They actually, Harvard actually did a study on um, the impacts of your physical body if you don't learn how to manage or control or to some level be set free of anger issues. Cardiovascular disease and cancer are some, they studied for two decades, are some of the diseases tied to anger and our inability to control, manage, or deal with anger. The Bible is not much different. I mean, you look at the people in the Bible, you're like, let me go to the Bible for some heroes. People, I mean, anger is riddled throughout the scriptures. You think of Moses. You think of Cain and Abel right at the beginning in anger killed his brother. Moses breaking the Ten Commandments. Moses killing an Egyptian soldier for messing with one of his Hebrew brothers. You see Balaam. You see Haman. Remember Haman with Esther getting so angry? angry? Esau, Absalom, Peter. And then you have the God-man Jesus expressing anger. Anger is a reality throughout humanity and throughout the heroes of the Bible. And I would say this. This is be my big idea with anger. Anger is an incredible indicator of something that is not right but it's a terrible director of how to live. It's a great indicator, follow the anger, but it's a horrible director. So we're gonna read a passage out of the book of Ephesians that I'm gonna preach this passage this morning, one passage, actually it's two verses um, in Ephesians. But before I read this passage in Ephesians chapter four, I want us to help us understand a little bit. Before Paul gives directions on how to behave, he tells us who we are in Christ. So the book of Ephesians, and there's a book by Watchman E. called Sit, Walk, Stand. The book of Ephesians, the first three chapters, is Paul saying, Hey, this is who you are now. So once maybe you're not a follower of Jesus but if you're a Christian you're watching online right now you're here right now he says listen this is the inheritance you have been sealed with the holy spirit you are a guarantee you have a deposit on the inside of you guaranteeing what is to come you are a new creation Ephesians 1 2 3 is establishing who you now are you are changed you are different maybe you didn't lose 20 pounds when you got saved physically there might have been no change whatsoever but in internally, you are a new creation. So then chapters four and five are how to walk this out. It's putting off the old nature, the old you, and putting on the new you. So chapter four is lots of do's. And a lot of times people, and we do this, we get into chapters four and five, and we start saying, do all this stuff. But listen, if you start doing a lot of stuff, not, at, not out of an identity of who you are, you become an, um, a Pharisee on some levels. So you get to chapter four, so who you are in Christ, you get to chapter four, verse 26 and 27. And because we love the Bible, the grass withers, but the word of God stands forever. We're gonna stand in reverence to the reading of this passage. Stand with me this morning as we read this passage. Thank you. Ephesians chapter four, be angry. That's good news. <laughs> Somebody like, thank you. Look at your neighbor and tell him, be angry. <laughs> and then say, and do not sin. <laughs> do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Be angry and do not sin and do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. God Help this morning, Lord. You put these incredible passions, a stirring of justice in our hearts, and help us to be able to steward the the passion you've given us. In Jesus' name, if you agree, would you say amen? Won't you have a seat? First thing I want to say at first point in this message is be angry. Be angry. And I would say be angry because we are image bearers. Be angry because God is angry and we bear the image of God when we are angry. Now you look, and it's funny because Andrea didn't know I was even going to use this passage. She just read the 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 uh the benefits of serving the Lord in Psalm 103, but Psalm 103, 8, she read through 6, 7, 8, says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious and slow to say it with me, anger abounding in love. See, God has anger, and our anger that we feel, all of the anger is not. Um, sinful nature. It's not devilish. It's not um, the old self. God has put in us the capacity to feel um, um, a a righteous indignation and anger that God feels when he sees things not happening in ways that they should be happening. And it's a profound statement. Paul knew the words of Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 5, does anybody remember in the Sermon on the Mount what Jesus said about anger? He said, don't be angry. He said, "Listen, i you've heard it said, do not murder, but I want to tell you one more thing, don't be angry at your brother." So Paul who knew the sermon on the mount is now telling us to be angry. I'm like, "What's happening?" Be angry Matthew In Matthew 18, it talks about dealing with some of these angers. And I would say this, anger a lot of times can be destructive and bad and domestic abuse and all of these issues can flow out of this. But there is something about us when we care enough about others, there's an anger of injustice that can boil up in us. There is a righteous anger that is from God. I would say it is understandable if you are fully alive that you're going to care deeply enough about other people and about the marginalized and oppressed and the injustice in the world that you're going to get angry. And the anger is a good indicator. God is trying to tell you something with the anger, with the way he's created you. He's trying to help you pinpoint something. God's anger is not self-preserving it's not intoxicating it's not vindictive it's not rageful anger is an emotion that God has given us and it's a good indicator of something God is doing in your heart it's an incredible indicator but it's a terrible director one of the early church fathers said this he who is not angry when he has cause to be sins there is moments that it is okay for you and I to feel this anger. James 1, it talks about the contrast of God's anger and us being image bearers and man's anger. It says this, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because we're image bearers. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. There is man's anger and then there's a righteous anger. God's anger. And you see this in Jesus. Jesus was the God-man. So like, oh, show me a representation. You look throughout scriptures and you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the gospels that teach us about the life of Jesus, and you see him. And it's usually tied to, when he is angry, it's usually tied to his um, passion and desire to lift up the marginalized and oppressed. And when he sees other people oppressing people or putting unnecessary laws and regulations preventing other people from getting to God, he comes in with a righteous indignation. He's actually flipping tables. He's actually weeping over injustices. His heart gets broke when he sees kids not being taken care of, when he sees self-righteous religious judgmentalism, when he he sees people making it difficult to get to God, when he sees selfish ambition, when people are trying to sit at his right Left hand, you see God getting angry. Man's anger is anger of the flesh, is different. And Paul, being consistent here, he's saying, Put off the old self and put on the new self. This is common language in Paul's letters. Put off the old nature, put on the new nature. Put off the bad anger, put on the good anger. The new you will show itself in the way you experience and how we steward anger. Anger is a part of the Christian life, but it's not vengeful. It doesn't express itself with gossip and slander and malice and fighting. Be angry because we are the image bearers. Anger is an incredible indicator, but it's a terrible director. What could be more dangerous than anger? Apathy, apathy, indifference. Maybe your anger that you feel sometimes is a pathway to the calling that God has put on your life. I would even ask you to ask yourself why you are angry in the moments. And that's even one of the applications this week. When you're feeling that rage your, your heart rate's picking up, your skin's being affected. Even if you look at some of the studies of like the silent care of anger that's not dealt with and how it affects the body, you're sensing that. What it, ask why a few times? I got so angry like three weeks ago. I mean, like, you know, that anger where you're like, I don't know what to do with myself. I'm so mad. So I was like, I'm just going to go for a run. And like you're running and you're, you know, you're my heart's racing. I'm running it through my head the whole time. I'm vengeful with my thoughts. I'm frustrated. My heart rates rush. I don't, I don't know what to do with myself. Can anybody relate to that anger a little bit? You get to that place and boom. So finally God's like, what's going on with you? And I was like, Them. And he's like, Nope. <laughs> it's not about them. There's something in that cup that's being shook up. What's going on? I said, It's their fault. He's like, Nope. Keep digging, son. Keep asking. I'm like, It's all them. He's like, Nope. It's something in your heart. And as I ran and as I thought and as I prayed and as I walked, it got to the heart. They just stirred up a deep issue in my heart. Follow the anger. Your spouse doesn't make you angry, <laughs> your kids don't make you angry. They just reveal anger sometimes is in your heart. Maybe it's your inability to control and to dominate another human. They're humans and they do have free will. You look at Moses. Moses had an anger problem. The guy, and I'm just studying for this. I just never connected the dots how angry Moses was. Killing the Egyptian, right? then striking the rock the second time that prevented him. He was angry in God's lack of provision after they had crossed, right? Then he comes down off the mountain. He's been in the presence of Jesus for 40 days, fasting, praying, not eating, maybe not drinking. He comes down the mountain. He sees all the people worshiping a golden calf, and what does he do? Wham! <laughs> I'm like, I mean, you're going to have any serious anger problem if you're carrying the Ten Commandments. <laughs> You're actually got like, I, some of us are like, we've heard from God, right? And sometimes just our own personal desires. I mean, he had chiseled in 40 days the 10 commandments. His anger so dominated him that he broke the 10 commandments. Exodus 32 says, when Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. I think Moses... In killing the Egyptian. God was angry at the Egyptian's oppression of his Hebrew brothers. God was awakening in him. He, if you get down to it, what, did, what was God doing in Moses? He was he was Moses was recognizing in an injustice, and he had been oppressed, suppressing it, and then it came out with murder. So when God's doing something in your heart, recognize what he's doing. Moses cared deeply about the worship of God. Like, no, no, he gets preeminence. He is first. Like, we give God everything. And in that, you find his calling to lead the people into worship of God. This is where I feel like our anger helps us learn to do justice, Our anger, if we follow the anger, it helps us to learn to do justice, to defend the rights of the poor, to defend the rights of the marginalized, or give a voice for those who have no voice. In our anger, we find maybe our calling. We have a holy discontent. I would say get angry, Christians. (laughs) And in your anger, ask God what he's trying to say about how he's wired you and what you're supposed to do with it. So be angry because we are image bearers, but be angry and do not sin. This is where it gets a little bit complicated. (laughs) And this is where that put off the bad anger and putting on the new. It's the same thing with anxiety. Like when someone's like, anxiety is bad. No, no, no. Like stress actually has a, um, it's, it's, it's helpful. It's even, even anxiety, it help, there's like a healthy side of it. Even with anger and that passion emotion, there's a healthy side of it. And the scripture teaches there's a progression though from your anger to sinning in your anger. From this moment of passion and this wrestling match and this burning that God's put into you to the point where you do something like slander or gossip or murder or um, fight or rage, you see the progression from one to the next. And Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, "'So I say, live by the Spirit.'" And this is talking about us as human beings. This is Paul again. "'So I say, live by the Spirit, "'and you will not gratify the desires "'of the sinful nature.'" So as followers of Jesus, you get a new nature. You have your old nature, right? And then you have a new nature. And there's a constant wrestling match of putting, continuing to put off and putting on and saying, no, no, this is, I'm not that person anymore. I am, I'm not angry to the point of sinning anymore. It's not my identity anymore. The acts of the sinful nature are actually, and this is what it says, obvious and it says fits of rage that moment where we explode in frustration and fits it literally fits of rage but the fruit of the spirit is this self control proverbs 29:11 says a fool gives full vent to his anger but a wise man keeps himself under control God's spirit has given us a self-control mechanism, our ability to regulate unhealthy emotions. So there's a healthy angry, be angry, but then there's a be angry and do not sin. Allow yourself to recognize when you're at the space of the tipping point. I use this acronym sometimes, HALT. When I'm hungry, (laughs) when I'm and angry, or lonely, or tired. You can kind of find if you're hungry and you're tired, like you're going to be more susceptible to anger, not just having anger, but anger manifesting itself, recognizing where you're actually, and I remember I've played basketball over the years, and I've, um, I remember being at a greenhouse league, and someone coming to me and was like, I'm out of the game. And I was like, and they just walked off the court, and I was like, what are you doing? They're like, I have to take myself out of the game. They're like, why? And they're like, I'm going to fight that guy unless I come out of the game. <laughs> I know myself. And I think sometimes there's a moment of just take yourself out of the game, change your password, take my phone away. If you're about to send that text or you're about to respond with a snap, you're about to do something, take me out of the game. If your anger is moving you toward rage, hatred, fighting, get yourself out of the game. And I think sometimes when you're looking at wisdom, because self-control a lot of times is tied to wisdom, wisdom is getting in the time machine and recognizing if I don't do this, this is what's going to happen. And you know, I I think it's in the 60s or 70s that the Hulk became popular, right? And I remember watching the old version, which is like the person got so frustrated, they turned green, and then they destroyed everything in their path. And then afterwards, they're like, what happened? Has everybody seen either the old Hulk or the new Hulk? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? There's actually a Hulk syndrome where you actually get so angry, you... You just black out. Like you, you, you go into a rage, and at the end of it, they tell you the aftermath. It's actually like a medical um, thing called the Hulk syndrome. And so, for us in culture, we see that. Can we just get in the time machine a little bit and see if I don't, if I don't put to death and walk uh, the old nature, if I don't live with self-control, get in the time machine and see the broken relationships, the pain, the suffering that you're causing others. And when you do that, you can learn to. Be angry, but then not sin. I was talking to Pastor John Lash in South Florida last week. And he tells me a story that he's dealing with. He says, and when I heard it, Robbie, I have never like immediately when I heard what happened, I mean, rage hit my heart. My blood pressure shot up, my my fists clenched. And I was like, I can't believe they did that. And he said, and then the Lord said, I got this one. And he goes, and then I said, okay. Until we are past the point of raging, we're not ready to handle it. He said, the Lord said, I'm a vindicator. I know how to do justice. <laughs> I know how to handle this. You can't handle that. And John said, okay. I think it's okay to recognize in his anger, John didn't like repent for being angry because what he was angry about was really unjust. But he was not in a place to go and do something about it. And God said, I've got this. Anger is an incredible indicator, but a terrible director. Be angry, be angry and do not sin. And this one, I got to be honest with you, until I was um, working on this message I've kind of changed my opinion about this last little, the next little piece here. Look at the sunsets. Be angry. This is Ephesians chapter four. Maybe you want to memorize this verse this week. And do not sin. And do not let the sun go down on your anger. There is a time to get angry, but the time to stay angry is short. This week, I, it was actually Friday because this message is fresh on my mind. You know, I'm looking at this passage. Someone texted me on a group text and they said, Hey, um, Robbie and so and so that was on the text. He's like, and then there was a, there's four. There's a third person. He's like, can you make time for a phone call today with so and so? He needs to talk before the sun sets. And so like, for me, I'm like. What did I do? You know, <laughs> because clearly it says, "Be angry, do not sin, do not let the sun go down." When you say like, "Oh, don't let the sun set on your anger," I'm like, I'm like, what did I do to this person? You know, I'm like, I know I can offend people. But what did I do? And ultimately, I just we just called them right away, and it had nothing to do with us. They just need to talk before the sunset. But in like lingo terms, when you hear the sunset, it is like deal with your anger and deal with it like quickly. So what's interesting is when I first got married, someone said, hey, the best advice I could give you in marriage is don't let the sun go down on your raft and don't go to bed angry. Now that, I got to be honest with you, that sounded great and it sounded awesome and it, it sounded like it was something I should shoot for and do. <laughs> Full disclosure, almost impossible in my mind, like almost impossible, and I would say this, I think to some level, it was it's it's unhealthy. I, I got I got so like troubled with that advice in this passage, taking it literal that the sun should not go down on my angry. I'm like, I'm gonna move to Alaska. I'm like, why? And I was like, there's I'm not I am gonna move. I'm you know, there there's actually it's daylight for like six months straight, right? The sun never sets. Or like when you're like, you're mad, you want someone to apologize to you, you're like, I'm going to move closer to the equator where days are really short, right? So in context, if we're taking this literal, we would do all these extremes, right? I think what Paul was saying to us was not like, I need to force myself when I am not ready to have a conversation with someone to do it too soon will actually cause more problems. Thank you, Renee. When it's saying do not let the sun go down is not I don't think Paul was saying don't literally say this you're the sun's going down and you're like but I'm angry the sun's going down but I'm angry and you're watching it go down but I can't like ah! you know, that's <laughs> I, I that's where I live now it's not like now I just with Amanda and I I would say There's a time to get angry, but the time to stay angry is short. What's important in marriage is, or in relationships in general, is anger is going to be a part of relationships. People are going to wrong you. They're going to frustrate you. They're different than you. And we naturally, a lot of times, want to control other people, especially in close-knit relationships. And you're like, ugh, and you get frustrated. Um, the, The time to fix it and not stay angry is short is the principle here. So some questions, and I love these questions to ask, when are you ready to move into a space of reconciliation? The Gotham Institute had some questions. Number one, am I ready to have this conversation? Now listen, you can't say like, oh, it's been six weeks, I'm still not ready. You gotta, you, you got uh, the, the time to get angry, there's a time and a time is short. According to Julie Gottman, processing means talking about the specific conflict or incident without getting mired in the emotionality of it again. Once you can like remove the emotion out of it and have a healthy, logical conversation, am I calm enough to have this conversation? Am I able to differentiate between my own emotions and the actual events that occurred? Am I willing to seek to understand the experiences of this event outside of my own? Am I willing to, in other words, are you willing to get into their seat and see how things were happening? Am I willing to speak from my experience without trying to persuade? Am I willing to attune to the feelings of others and what the event meant to them? Can I be fully present for this conversation? Am I in a space with limited distractions? There is a time to get angry at another brother or sister. That's going to happen to say that in marriage, with parents, with roommates, anger. But if you, and this is the problem, if you don't look at the sunsets and we don't deal with our anger at other humans, it's a trap. And the last point is this, be angry, do not sin, look at the sunsets because it's a trap. Be angry, do not sin, do not let the sun go down in your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. It's a trap. The progression of your undealt with anger breeds oppression for your life, not their life. Our undealt with anger and frustration with others, if it is not dealt with, leads to oppression from the devil. That word opportunity, actually, is this word like topos. It's like this topography. It's this place. It's a place in the map of your soul. Undealt with anger moves to bitterness. Then people are living, and let's just be honest, sometimes rent free in our head. They are dominating our thought life. We are fantasizing about causing them pain or hoping and praying that they are in pain. It breeds unforgiveness, it breeds rage, it breeds brawling and slander and malice. The acts of the sinful nature are product of humans that don't process well their anger and frustration and release it to God, the ultimate vindicator and justice giver. Your anger can be a weapon for God or it can be a weapon against you. Frederick Bruchner once said this, of all the sins, anger is ultimately one of the most fun. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> to lick your wounds, to smack your lips once grievance is long past, to roll over your tongue the prospect of bitter confrontation still to come, to savor to the last twosome morsel both the pain you are given and the pain you are giving back in many ways is a feast fit for a king. Yet he goes, he is wise in carrying the mill through its final course. The chief drawback, he continues, and this was so powerful, is that what you are wolfing down is yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you. In our rage, in our undealt with anger, we think we are bringing justice to other people, but ultimately it's destroying And if reconciliation is possible, even so, do not stroke your wound or cherish revenge or hold a grudge. For Satan seeks a a gap called grudge. And if he finds it, he will enter and ruin life with all manner of bitterness. Anger, if it is not controlled, doesn't actually destroy the other person in a situation as much as it destroys you. So what do I do? What's my application this morning for you guys? It's this. Anger is an incredible indicator, but a terrible director. Follow the path of your anger. Follow the path of your anger. Ask why I'm so angry at this. Go a little more deeper and understand. God, what are you saying? You're saying this to Moses. You were saying this to to, to Jesus, you were saying this. What's what's deep in me that's causing that? Now, listen, I'm not talking. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, I'm talking like on a on a very real level here, not the superficial frustration about cars and stuff, and that's an issue. But I think that comes from somewhere else. Number two is this: pause, ask why. Why are you so angry? Why are you so angry at your spouse or your kids or your roommate or your friends or your coworker or the government? Or why? 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 What, what is this? And why is this happening? And lastly is this, if there is a grudge, see the time to get, there's a time to get angry and the time is short. If we've been letting anger linger for long periods of time, there is potentially a grudge that has settled in your heart and mind. And I, I, I just, I was trying to figure out like, Lord, what, what does that look like? What does that feel like? And I, I almost feel like it's, for some of us, the, the hope of life that we've wanted, the joy levels and the peace levels are tied to this grudge that we've lingered long in anger, and it's built up this bitterness. And the, the, the life that God has promised in our communities with each other is being limited by the undealt with angry. That There's been no sunsets. In other words, you haven't dealt with the anger, and because of that, it's built up, and it's stopping the flow of health and buoyancy and life in you. You think that it's causing pain to them, but it's really causing pain to you. In Ephesians chapter four, it says this, and this is a couple verses later. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. In other words, do do not grieve God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You've been sealed by God, so don't grieve Him. And this is what anger, undealt with anger that leads to sin does not settle. You grieve it. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. The, The ability for us to give that forgiveness. It's tied to our ability to receive that forgiveness. Like that moment where you sit at the beginning of your day and you give gratitude to God for what the grace he's given you. Your first relationship is there. Once you get that, you can give it. When you grieve God, you're holding on to your bitterness and rage. You want to stunt your own growth Hold on to that bitterness and rage and anger. Destroys others around you. Hold on to that bitterness, rage, and anger. I, I would say, you know, the, the last two things I'm going to say, and then we're just going to have a time of prayer before we go. When I was, my, my dad told me the story about his uncontrollable rage and anger when he was a youth and teenager. And he said, Robbie, I can't really explain it because there is just the natural human side of anger when we're hungry, lonely, tired, when we're frustrated, there's that side. But then there's like this this Hulk anger that God can really liberate you from. He can set you free. And he said, he's like, honestly, Robbie, it was so out of control, I would snap. And when I would snap, I wouldn't even remember. it. It was a Hulk syndrome. And he's like, and some people prayed for me and I was liberated, I was set free, and there was no more of that uncontrollable rage. I would say this, even when we're praying in just a second, we're gonna pray that if you're in that space and that this anger and the rage is ruling you, that you're gonna be, that splinter, that little grudge that's in you is, if you'll let it, we're gonna pray right now and it's gonna be released. I'd say within marriage, if we're gonna get angry, we're going to get angry, and the anger needs to be a short amount of time, but undealt with angry breeds a long journey of unhealthy, and it ultimately could end in a a separation. I want us to learn how to process, deal with, and remove anger from our lives.